Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. First Chronicles chapter 12. I'm speaking this morning on understanding the seasons. So in First Chronicles chapter 12, in verse 32, of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. Now, I took that verse from the middle of a chapter and therefore in order for us to get proper context, I may have to go and read a couple of more verses. But the point being that in this passage, these sons of Ishakar were distinguished for a particular reason. Now let me go to verse 23 of the same chapter to provide the context for the message as we move forward. Verse 23, 1 Chronicles chapter 12. Now, these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war. And came to David at Hebron to turn over the kingdom of Saul to him according to the word of the Lord. This is huge. Can you say that after I say this is huge? This is huge. <laughs> very, very huge. Notice the context here, and I'm going to break this down a little bit more. And if I don't finish this message this morning, I may have to pick it up next Sunday because I don't want to rush over it. I want to make sure we get the full import of what God is saying to us in this season. We must be those who understand the times or the seasons in which we are living. Because proper understanding gives godly perspective which leads to godly behavior. Now, in this verse 23, we are given the purpose, the reason for which David is assembling this man, this army. The singular reason that they came to David at Hebron, we are told, was to turn over the kingdom of Saul to him. Let me bring that to today. We are living in a time of national crisis. Now, you may have been living under the rocks for the last few months or years that you don't understand what's going on. But we have to be men and women of discernment to understand the mind of God because if we don't understand the mind of God, we get carried away by the things that's happening around us. These men recognized something in Israel back in the day. And they said to themselves, you know what? We need to be on God's side, not on the Saul's side. And they just didn't say it 
and did nothing about it. They said it and moved into action. Are you following me? Understanding the times or understanding the seasons. So they came to David for the express singular purpose of making him king over all of Israel. Now, I read at the opening verse, verse 32, where the Bible says, of the sons of Issachar, 200 men who had understanding of the times and what Israel ought to do. Now, let me help you understand why Issachar was so important. Because when these people came to David, from verse 23 on out, give me verse 24, please. Watch this. These are the people that came to David. Of the sons of Judah, bearing shields and spear. How many men? 6,800 armed for war. Next verse. Of the sons of Simeon, mighty men of valor, fit for war. How many? 7,100. Next verse. Of the sons of Levi, how many? 4,600. Verse 29. Verse 29. Of the sons of Benjamin, relatives of Saul, how many men? 3,000. Verse 30, thank you. The sons of Ephraim, how many? 20,000. You see, we are reading these numbers if you don't understand where I'm going, you may wonder, what's the relevance of all of this? I'm going to get there in a minute. This is why we have to pay attention when we read our Bibles. God is not giving you these numbers because he just wants to take a census. Verse 31, of the half tribe of Bat Manasseh, how many? 18,000 who were designated by name to come and make David king. Verse 32. Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were how many? Did you get a picture? Every tribe up to here were in the thousands. 6,000, 30,000, 8,000. Massive numbers. For some of us who are drunken with numbers, we think everything that's big is good. And you are not able to appreciate what God is doing when the numbers are not as huge. But you must understand that God can win by few or by what? Many. But the point here being, even though Issachar was not a massive number, there were only 200 that came to be part of this group. But David recognized that in this little number, there is something he needed. The other groups had men of war. They were incredibly skilled when it came to warfare. Not Ishakar. Ishakar's contribution to the warfare and to bringing David to become king over Israel was strategy. 
They may not know how to use a bow and arrow, but they understood the time. But not only understanding the time, what Israel ought to do. Strategy. Strategy for what? Victory. You may have nuclear weapons. You may have a huge standing army. But if you lack strategy for the battle, you and your nuclear weaponry will still be disgraced. Go and ask America in Vietnam. With all our machinery of war and battle, the sophistication, the Viet Cong didn't have none of that. They just hide in the bush and wait for them. After several years of fighting men, women that we didn't know anything about, nobody told America to pack their bags and come back home. Hello, somebody. Because the battle had changed. So, this morning again, we are talking about understanding the seasons or understanding the times. So, here you see the uh, contribution. You see the uniqueness of the sons of Issachar. They were few in number, much fewer than everybody else. But they brought something to the table that was just as important and as needed in order for David to become king. Let me leave that for a moment. What's the relevance of this passage to us now? David in the Old Testament is Jesus in the New. Long after David had died, buried in Ezekiel 34, God was still speaking about bringing a shepherd to Israel who, in fact, by, in fact let's go there, Ezekiel 34. Why am I rushing? <laughs> Ezekiel 34. Thank you, Jesus. Understanding the times. Ezekiel chapter 34. Verse. Let me. Let me just. Verse 23. I will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them. Who's that shepherd? My servant David. Now, when God was saying this, David was dead. So who was he referring to? I will establish one, one shepherd over them and he, this one shepherd, shall feed them. My servant David, he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, verse 24, the Lord will be their God and my servant David a prince among them. Ah, the Lord have spoken. So David clearly and we saw this last week when we look at the genealogy Jesus, the son of Abraham, the son of David. Clear. Very, very clear. So here in this passage, the challenge and the relevance to you and I is we are the generation that must make Jesus relevant. There is only one agenda. Not two. And the agenda is the unveiling and the revealing of Jesus to our world. Now. 
this group, these men came to to Hebron to make David king and to take the kingdom away from Saul. Let me just address Saul for one minute. Saul is the type of a believer who lived for the flesh. Yeah, it's a believer. Let's just cut through the chase. How do I know it's a believer? When they went to the witch at Endor and invoked and called forth Samuel, Samuel said to him, by this time tomorrow you'll be with me. When he was first ordained or anointed, the Bible said clearly that he turned into another man. Changed, transformed. So Saul's problem was not salvation as we know it. His problem was, even though he was changed by God, he had no affinity for God. Saul is a type of the believer who is completely dominated and influenced by fleshly carnal desires. If you want to know a believer who is not at rest, who is not entered into rest with God, you take a soul. I don't have time to go into all of it right now, but I can just give you one thing. Saul's entire life, from beginning to the end, was dominated by one thing. You know what that one thing is? Fear. Fear! Fear is the evidence that I'm not living in rest. I'm afraid they're going to take my car. I'm afraid if I don't pay my bill, I'm going to lose my house. I'm afraid, what, my, what are my children doing? Oh my God, what are they doing now? Oh, I don't know what they're doing. Oh my God, my children, they've not been back home at 10 o'clock. God, are they smoking pot? Are they sleeping with a woman? What are they doing? What is my children doing? Fear, 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 fear. 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 Fear about everything. Oh, I've got to work tomorrow. I don't know what will happen. Oh, they are laying people off. Man, is it going to happen to me? Oh, my business. Fear. Fear. If you are dominated by fear, you are not at rest. Now, the balance of that is there are sphere that is helpful. Okay, shall I define that for us? If, as I'm speaking in this room now, I see a cobra. Okay? Now, I'm going to leave you guys to be saying in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'll call Pastor Charles to say, talk. I'm gone. That is what? Healthy fear. God gives you, it puts that within a system to let you know, danger, run. This is not good. What he does not want is that you and I live perpetually in that state. So Saul, on the day he was ordained or anointed, was hiding among the goods, afraid. From day one. He saw David kill Goliath. He was afraid of David. The Samuel, not the Samuel, the prophet told him, go and wait for me in Gigal for seven days, after which I will come and offer a sacrifice. 
Seven days came, he didn't see the prophet. Oh my God, I'm going to lose the troops. Oh my God, these guys are going to leave me. The church will be empty. Yo, yeah, yeah, I'll do something. Fear! All through his life, fear. Why? He never got to the place where he could trust the God who ordained him. He had no affinity for God. Did you read that in scriptures? In 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, they said all through the 40 years of his reign, he never consulted God once. Not once. Listen, we are talking how, wow, I see how we responded. Many souls are here right now. Many of us. Because the key to overcome fear is the presence of God. But if I don't spend that time in his presence to receive the revelation of who he is, of course I'll be fearful. And that was the life of Saul. Saul never spent time with God. Understanding the times. I said at the beginning, unless you are living under a rock, you need to understand things are changing rapidly among us and around us. Give me my PowerPoint. Years ago, all of us knew that having a cell phone back a few years ago, as few as 10 years ago, the cell phone of renown was the Blackberry. So much so, the U.S. government had it as a, as a regular issue for employees. BB. My first encounter with one was Sammy Badaki. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Patrice Adams still carries one till today. <laughs> God bless her. Amen. So for a season, Blackberry was the desirable, the most sophisticated, the best smartphone you can ever have. Until a man by the name of what? Steve Jobs. And he came out with this smartphone called iPhone and everybody said, oh, no, no, this is nonsense. How can you have a phone without a keyboard? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> so how many of you here this morning, except for Sammy Badaki, carries a BB? <laughs> BB used to be in vogue and is now what? Out of vogue. End of story. It's not a matter whether you like it or not. They didn't ask your opinion. Somebody just brought innovation that enhanced life. And as a result of the innovation, everybody changed. Hello? I remember those years around this season when we were on holidays. Blockbuster was the place. I'll go in there with Talks, Tony and Faith, we get into the store and they rack it all up. I want this daddy, I want that daddy, I want that. Okay, okay. We pack the thing and we run, we, we get out of the store with, with all these VHS and all these things and you go home and you slot in there one at a time. Where's Blockbuster now? They were making money then, but today they are what? Gone. You can sit here and say, well, I just don't like it. I just love my blockbuster. Sit there. <laughs> you can love it. It's not for you to love it. You're just alone. You are the only one. Because the rest of the world has what? Changed. These things I'm bringing to your attention are major disruptions 
Not just changes. Not just changes. The season is the season of disruptions. And if you don't understand that, you'll be lagging behind. So back in those days, you want to search for something. Revelation, this is not the way we put it together. Where's Revelation? Okay. Someone in this Sennheim message, FedEx, talk to her for me. Back in the days, when you want to search for something, it was Yahoo. Yes. Search engine, Yahoo. So much so people in my hometown, they have Yahoo boys. Those were dangerous boys. <laughs> While they are smiling at you, your pocketbook is disappearing. <laughs> Yahoo boys. Today, we don't search through Yahoo. Everybody searches through what? Google. You want an information, you don't say Yahoo information, you say Google it. And everybody understands this is a disruption. Next one. Next one. <laughs> Woo, God help me. <laughs> taxis. What happened to the taxi business? I remember my favorite uh, radio talk show. Charles Dickey called in to talk to him on the radio one day. The first question the guy asked Charlie, are you a taxi driver? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> he said... Oh, you're Nigerian? Oh, what, what, which taxi are you driving? <laughs> Praise God. Oh, my goodness. Taxes are, they are, they are being retired compulsorily. Why? Uber. And Lyft. Major what? Disruption. We need to wake up. We need to wake up. We travel all over the place. Back in the days, for instance, we just came back from Thailand a few months ago. I didn't stay in, I didn't stay in Marriott. I didn't stay at Best Western. That's where we used to stay. What's happening now? Airbnb. Major what? Disruption. Hotels are they're shaking their boots. Because change is coming to their industry and there's not a thing they can do about it. Next one. Ah. Remember those days of Barnes and Nobles and Butter? You want to buy any book? Barnes and Nobles. You want to buy a book? Butter. You get out of your car, drive to the place, look through their library. Today what's happening? Amazon.com. Amazon. Kindle. Listen, our world is changing. And unfortunately, the church is the last to catch up with the change. Major disruption of incredible magnitude. Next one. Now, this is where the church comes, becomes a part of this. In the Old Testament, there was a pattern for ministry. And that pattern was the Aaronic priesthood. What is the Aaronic priesthood? The Aaronic priesthood was the priesthood of Aaron. 
ministry was done only strictly by Aaron. Period. End of story. He was a high and mighty. He was the only priest. And he had some assistance every now and then. Unfortunately, under this era of grace, where Jesus has brought me and you into the Melchizedek pattern of ministry, kings of priests, where in Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, he said, me and you, all of us together are kings and priests. All of us. Unfortunately, while we are under grace, we are still using Old Testament method for ministry. And many of us here are the reason why. Because we insist it has to be Pastor Bank or no one else. We insist it must be Crawford Dollar or no one else. We insist it must be Kenneth Copeland or no one else. That's madness. And there is major disruption on the wings of the change that's come to the church. Every believer is a minister. Yes, sir. Every man and every woman by the Spirit of God has received the measure of Christ to do ministry. What are you going to do for, with your own life? So in the Old Testament, we have singular ministry by one man. But in the New, God's intention is what we call the plurality of ministry. Plurality. Find your place. Find your gift. And use the platform to express your gift. Yes, sir. It is in the multiplicity of ministry that we can present Christ. Amen. Why? Pastor Charles have a measure. I have a measure. Derek has a measure. Brother TG has a measure. It is in the collective coming together of all of us that the fullness comes forth. I have a survey here for us that I want us to take to use to, 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 to take after this message and please turn back in with the offering. And if you've already given your offering, just return the survey anyway. We are beginning to make incremental changes on how we do ministry. That's part of the reason why for the last few months you've seen me share ministry with all the other ministry gifts in the house. It's not a matter of whether I have the word or don't have the word. That's not the issue. The issue is what does Christ want to do? What does he want to do? So going forward, my intention is I'll become a conductor while at the same time sharing the platform with those that God wants to use for that hour. I'm here, a conductor. You see me walk around, pat people on the back, all over the sanctuary. Why? My role is to facilitate ministry. Yes, sir. I don't want to do ministry by myself. Now, let, let me say this to you. I know some other churches, that's how they have it. They have a cultish one-man show and we've encouraged it, we've participated with it and if that's what God spoke to them, it's fine for them. But I'm just saying to us, for this house, yes. you have a stake, you have a part 
you have a role. You've been uniquely anointed to participate and we'll give you the platform to do so. Amen. That is what makes me happy. That is my joy. That's my reward. First of all, understand this. That was Jesus' pattern. And in missions, we have this thing called uh, train and release. So number one, you speak the message. Stage two, I demonstrate the message to you. Stage three, you demonstrate it while I'm watching you do it. Stage four, you're on your own. Did you hear what I just said? First, I teach you. Next, I do it while you're watching me. Next, you do it while I'm watching you. And then lastly, you become so proficient, you're doing it, and you're doing it very, very well. That's what Jesus said. Otherwise, he would still be here now. He trained his people. He gave them time for platform of ministry, and he released them. And that's how he got promoted. I want to be promoted. So in the survey, you get a chance to participate and give your suggestions. But please turn them in today by the end of service. Now, that's the easy part of this message. I have 11 minutes left. Let me give it a hard part. Understanding the time, right? Talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife and I were on vacation. Early part of December. And on the downtime on the ship where we were, I caught the news. They talked about how the United States was going to acknowledge Israel and move its embassy to Jerusalem. And I keep, I said, oh my God. I said, it's my wife. I said, I need to get back home quickly to address this issue. Because immediately I heard that, this scripture came to my heart. Men of Ishaka, who had understanding of the times and what Israel ought to do. My fear for us as believers, not just this church, believers generally, we allow our sentiment to interfere with reality. We've got to be very careful. We have got to be extremely careful Giving you perspective, in Ezekiel chapter 37, please put that up for me quickly. Ezekiel 37, verses 23 and 24, I believe it is. Ezekiel 37, I'm sorry, verse 21. Verse 21. Then say to them, now, Bank Akimala didn't write this. Thus says the who? The God. In case you wonder who that Lord is. God. It's not the Lord Apple. Or the Lord Android. Okay? The Lord God. Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the what? The nations. How accurate can that be? Wherever they have gone, and we gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. Has that happened? Yes. Who made it happen? Oh, no. I thought it was Hillary Clinton. I thought it was uh, Donald Trump. No. Her 
has nothing to do with those men. We miss the whole thing because of our sentiment. God is at work in history. And please understand it. It's not history as we read it in school. It's his story. He is the one, first of all, that scattered them. And he said, in time, I, the Lord, will go to all those nations and bring them back from Poland, from Russia, from Germany, from wherever they were. And he brought them back on his own. In 1948, this scripture was fulfilled. Oh my God. In 1947-48, this scripture was fulfilled. And God did not ask permission from the church. He did not ask permission from the Republicans, nor the Democrats. They have nothing to do with it. They are simply, merely instruments to fulfill the purpose of God. And you've got to understand that. So, when Israel became a nation in 1948, the first country to acknowledge the sovereignty of Israel, the United States of America, Harry Truman. Don't Yahoo it, go and Google it. And when he was making the acknowledgement, the rest of the world was saying, no, you can't do that. Uh, why are you going to do that? Uh, da, 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 da. They were shouting. Has history proven it to be true? Yes. And then shortly thereafter, Jordan came and attacked this infant nation and seized the land and sat on Jerusalem and for 18 years, they secreted the whole city. The Jews could not worship any longer there. Destroyed all the holy sites for 18 years. And then, in 1967, we had a six-day war, which every war general, right, conservative, and liberals, Agreed was a supernatural feat. Where in six days, the Jews recaptured the whole territory and reinstated Jerusalem as their undivided sovereign capital. It's amazing to me. Nobody's arguing about London being the capital of England. Nobody's debating Washington, D.C. being the capital of the United States. Yes, sir. Nobody's asking France, why are you making Paris your capital? Nobody's asking Nigeria, why Abuja? Why don't we remain in Lagos? Nobody asked that question. Israel chose Jerusalem to be their capital. We didn't do that. They did. Right. But they did it Following the directions of God. If you don't, listen, hear me today. Hear me, hear me well, 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 well. Let's go to the scriptures. Don't listen to what I'm saying. Search the scriptures to see if this will be so. 
God said in Ezekiel chapter 5 verse 5 that Israel, that Jerusalem is the center of the nations. Read the book of Revelation. This is the ancient eternal city of God. It is the place from which the church was birthed. It is the place where it is be culminated. Jesus left from there. He's coming back there. What are we arguing? The Jews' contention is for the right to control their own destiny. They are not saying the Palestinians do not have a right to live in Jerusalem. In fact, they welcome it and they guarantee their protection and their prosperity. They are just saying you cannot rule there, but you can live there. Why is that so difficult? The point I'm making this morning, Israel recaptured Jerusalem in 1967. And when we understand this, the, the times and the seasons, Leviticus chapter 23, where God says he has appointed times, we understand there's such a thing as prophetic calendar. And Help, let me help you to understand something. The fact that God used Donald Trump to make that proclamation does not mean that does not say that does not he does not say or mean that God is pleased with the man. Has nothing to do with that. Personally, there are many things Donald Trump has said and done that I disagree with wholesale completely. Just so you understand that. So what I'm saying this morning, it's not, it's not an endorsement for a man. It is only an endorsement for God and the event that God is after. Amen. Full disclosure, I did not vote for Donald Trump. Contrary to many of you folks, fake news carriers. Myself, my wife, my brother, my sister-in-law yesterday, we were in Nepal during the election. Full disclosure, furthermore, I would not have voted for Hillary Clinton. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. The two previous presidential elections, I voted for Barack Obama. <laughs> it's true. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. The two previous ones before that, I voted for George Bush. This is the problem with the church. The church as a voting block, blindly, without discernment, just all gravitated as an armed Republican. Wrong! Second point. Black people as a race, blindly, ignorantly. Oh, shall I say some other words? Let me, let me keep it. Go ahead, my mouth. We vote as a voting block, Democrats! Wrong! Neither of these platforms represent God fully. And that's why we will never be a true voice to bring change because our sentiments interfere with the, with the man of God. Why is this timing critical? 
Because God does significant things every 50 years. So 1967, Israel recaptured Jerusalem and called it their undivided capital. 50 years later, 2017, to the month, this donkey called Donald Trump, notice what I called him, a donkey. Wait, 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 wait. I'm not saying that to be judgmental. Just follow me in the scriptures. This donkey called Donald Trump against the advice of every wise man around him said to him, this is no good. Don't even try it. You're going to be vacillated. You're going to be isolated. This is a bad idea. Peace will never come if you do it. <laughs> you know what? I, I love God. He, he uses donkeys. <laughs> Because donkeys are deaf to the noise around them. Oh, you missed it. First Chronicles 12 32, the sons of Ishaka. You know the uniqueness about the sons of Ishaka? Go read in Genesis 49. In Genesis 49, when Jacob was prophesying about his sons, he said, Ishaka, a donkey. Hey! Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. In Numbers 22, you are familiar with the story, but you may have missed it. Balaam is about to go and curse Israel. God said, Don't go. He said, I will go. Don't go. I will go. Don't go. I will go. Okay, go. God was like my mother of the days. When your mother said, Go. Okay, go. What that means is if you go, you're in trouble. Balaam got on his donkey. Kutupa, 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 kutupa. He's on his way to go and curse Israel. The donkey may not hear, but he can see. The donkey saw the angels with sword in his hands. Hey, I'm not going near this. Balaam said, go, go. they've got to hit his, head, his leg against the wall. The donkey refused to move. Finally, after Balaam has hit him about three times, an amazing thing happened. The only time a donkey ever spoke. Until Donald Trump. Now watch this wrong sentiment. Watch this problem. Balaam is a prophet. Never heard an animal speak in his life. The donkey spoke. Brother Daniel, he was not amazed that the donkey spoke. He was more concerned about you are being rude to me. (laughs) We are Balaam. The church is Balaam. Because we don't recognize the importance of the hour, we are too concerned about sentiments. Balaam did not ask donkey, when do you, when do you get language to talk? 
He was more concerned. Why did you do this to me? You are going to embarrass me. Why are you doing this? Rather than say, wow, what a God will open the mouth of a donkey. No. So we are missing the importance and the significance of time. Let me give you one more donkey. Matthew 21 verse 5. Jesus is about to now make a big entry into Jerusalem. He did not get a Tesla. No, he didn't. He said, read it yourself, that the word of the prophets may be fulfilled. Go and find a donkey and a colt. Bring them here. If you are challenged on the way, tell them the Lord has need of it. And they brought the donkey and Jesus saddled up. And it was a donkey that he rode to Jerusalem. Question. Where else have you heard the donkey speak since then? Did the donkey have to be born again to be used by God? Oh. When have you seen Balaam's donkey after he made that proclamation? The donkeys are immoral. They don't need to get born again. They don't have to be on this political spectrum or that. That's it. Totally unnecessary. I'm afraid for many of us, we allow our sentiment to interfere with the plan of God, not just for this nation, but for our own lives. Because we are not honest about what God has said. We will do anything to change it. It's not our Donald Trump. It's a donkey. Don't allow a donkey to be offensive and you miss God. I already told you. I don't like a lot of his policies. I don't like a lot of his pronounce- pronouncements. But that's not my place. It's not my place. When the donkey was being used, did you think the donkey prayed and fasted and said, ah, tomorrow God is going to use me. Hallelujah. I- I'm going to be used of God. No. I doubt if this man, Donald Trump, even knows God is using him. He doesn't have to know it. All he has to do is breathe. And God said, I'm going to move on you to do this. No matter how bad it is, no matter how terrible it looks, no matter how unpopular it makes you, do what I say or else I'll take your breath. What is he going to do? 1967 to 2017, 50 years. The year of Jubilee. The year of what? Jubilee. The year of what? Jubilee. America did not make Jerusalem capital. America just affirmed what Israel has spoken. And unfortunately, look at these hypocrites. Since 1995, the American Congress have voted unanimously for the same issue. Since 1995, and as recently as August of this year, the Senate of all polarized places by a vote of some 90 to 10, some ridiculous number, affirmed that decision. Should we not be holding our Congress responsible? If you don't like it, why did you vote for it? We're acting like senseless human beings. I'm sorry. We send these guys to Washington to represent us. They cast one vote, but they send something else. And then when the next election comes, because they are black, you are a Democrat, you're going to vote for them. Because you are a church, you are a Republican, you vote for them. Nonsense! Nothing will ever change. If they don't like what is going on, why are they voting for it? As recently as August this year, 
Why? They could have turned it down. They did not. Because they did not expect Trump to do what he did. Now, this is where the bottom line is. 2018 has to be the year of unveiling and the year of revelation of Jesus Christ. The church must become like the natural Jew in his thinking. Let me tell you what I mean by that. It is no secret that the Senate Minority Leader, Charles Schumer, and Donald Trump, they don't get along on policies. And that's fine. That's, I mean, they're opposite party. I understand that. But when it came to the Jewish agenda, Charles Schumer picked the phone up and called Donald Trump, you must move America's capital to Jerusalem. It's on record. Google it. He left all the liberal conservative fight. He left it all alone. You guys keep on fighting. Trump, listen. I'm a Jew. Therefore, the liberal fight, conservative fight, that's your fight. My issue is the Jewish agenda. I'm not making it up. He called the president and told the president, America must make a decision. Now! No, don't Yahoo it. That would be fake news. <laughs> What's the point I'm making? When the chips were down, Schumann went to his camp. He went to his camp. He would rather be with God than with the liberals. He called the... I mean, when I saw that, I said, this is crazy. Why are we fighting one another? When a Jewish man, whether he's in Poland... Whether the Jewish man is in Nigeria, whether the Jewish man is in Ghana, whether it's in Jamaica, whether it's in Afghanistan, a Jew is a Jew, is a Jew, is a Jew. He will never sell out. The only ones that sell out are the church. We have no backbones because we allow sentiment to interfere with our backbones. Understanding the times. I brought this message. Number one, we need to understand how God is thinking. God is not mine. He has a plan. He has a purpose. America simply just said, you know what? We're going to follow what plan God, God, God is doing. That's been enacted by our Congress. What's the application for us? The application is very simple. On a personal and corporate level. Personal level, my prayer, my goal for each one of us is that we have a revelation and an unveiling of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because when that happens, when that happens, when Jesus becomes the moderator, when it becomes the, uh, what's the word? The plumb line. When it becomes the plumb line of all our decision making, then all these things become driven. The reason we are still arguing and fussing and fighting one another, Jesus is not. We've not, we've not, we've not seen him. Wow. We know about him, but we don't know him. That's what's happening. When we know Jesus, it will not be my preference any longer. It will be his preference. Because he's living through me to do his preference. I just become a tool in his hand. Yes. 
That's the first goal for this year, for this new year. Secondly, on a corporate level, on a corporate level, we are going to, we are going to implement plurality of ministry all across the board. All across the board. You're going to see several people doing ministry. And then, of course, because we receive Jesus in the fullness of who he is, we not only love one another, that love will be demonstrated in our homes. Husbands will love their wives. Parents will love their children. Siblings will love one another. But not only that, we will serve each other. And on a corporate level, we are going to get more involved in our communities. In our communities. Amen? Time will not permit me. I think I've given you enough. Uh, please, uh, what shall I say? Uh, maybe at some time in the future, maybe if you guys want to debate what I just ministered, you'll be welcome to it on the Kingdom Conversation Platform or format. But today will not be the time for that. Amen? Understand the time and the season. It's a major season of disruption. That's what's happening around us. And so we need to buy into the disruption and just say, God, what do you want to do? How do we participate? And just flow with it. You can never go wrong by being on God's side. You can never go wrong. As a last encouragement for you, in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 32, uh, let me find the verse. And I need to take my seat, although I did not start on time. Pastor Tosin. You guys at 10 minutes into my time. Okay, okay, okay. Where's the scripture? Deuteronomy 33, verse 18 and 19. And of Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in your going out, and Issachar in your tents. They shall call the peoples to the mountain. That's both Zebulun and Issachar will call the peoples to the mountain. They shall offer sacrifices of righteousness. They're witnessing. They are sharing Jesus. As a result, they shall partake of the abundance of the seas and of treasures hidden in the sand. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that this new year that's coming upon us will be the fulfillment of this passage in all of our lives. That we'll partake of the abundance of the seas and of the treasures that's hidden in the sand because we are faithful to not only dwell in our tents, but we are faithful in going out and we are faithful in offer sacrifices of righteousness, being a blessing to those that should place around us. And so, Father God, we receive a blessing. We thank you for it. Lord God, that testimonies will be abound. As it's been said last um, Friday night and even this morning, that we'll do better and more in 2018 because of your empowerment upon us. And so we are encouraged by you. We thank you for your faithfulness and we bless your name, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So come back tonight at 